Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Monday, January 8th, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? I'm doing well. I enjoyed our extended discussion before we went on, though I did drink all of the water I had prepped before that. Uh, someone was telling me, I've lived in Montreal for like seven, eight years, and someone was talking to me over the break about like how cold the water is in the taps during the winter, and that is somehow something I never noticed. Um, but now that I've gotten back, I'm like hyper aware of it and loving it. Huh. That actually sounds kind of nice, unless it is the dead of winter and you're trying to have a warm beverage, but... Yeah, I mean, not something you want first thing when you walk in, but like that's a... <laughs> Like it's ice water. It, it's actually better than keeping it in the fridge. Hmm. Very neat. Well, I was just in your neck of the woods and I saw a uh, little bit of snow uh, when I was yeah. out there because we're still hanging around zero, just a little bit above zero degrees Celsius here. So it was weird going from basically a blizzard when I was driving out on Sunday hmm. from Gatineau and then driving into the rain and wetness that is London, Ontario. Yeah, it looked like the tournament went well. Or mm -hmm. had some fun. Oh yeah, good times. First time ever playing a Quebec Four Series Ultimate Tournament indoors. Team made it to the finals, so can't complain. We beat our seed coming in. Um, and yeah, just an overall really fun weekend. Stayed at a, uh, a team captain's house kind of in the middle of the woods in Gatineau. Large Sweet. house. And yeah, we got don't to know hang what out. happens there. Well, we hung out with his wife and three kids. <laughs> oh, I yeah, played I carnival. Been to that cabin? Yeah, played carnival games. So it was actually a really good time. Uh, very wholesome, and overall, really solid weekend. Um, but nice to be back home after this is my first time back home since I think December twenty second. So it yeah. has been an extended period of time. Nice to be back, rested, recuperated, uh, and here chopping it up with you once again well the one downside of cold water is it's actually not great for your throat and produces a little more mucus you want room temperature water for the best uh clearing so i'm feeling that a little so why don't you uh today you learned why don't you uh kick us off here what have we yeah. got today well hopefully there you shared your learning with me hopefully i can share a little learning with you uh for our football fan cave nfl super Wild card weekend preview. Not much to talk about with week 18. There wasn't anything super exceptional in terms of the final outcomes of all of these games. Jaguars with a extremely disappointing end of their season after starting eight and three, being in the one seed at week 13. They end up losing out to Pittsburgh and the Buffalo Bills uh, for the final couple, couple of, of playoff spots. And that is where I'm actually going to start because the Bills not only scrape their way back into the playoffs, but with a win over the Miami Dolphins, jump all the way up into the two seed in the AFC. <laughs> what a turnaround for an absolute roller coaster season for Buffalo. And now they get to host the Pittsburgh Steelers, who may be without TJ Watt in their first round playoff game. I also saw that's uh, four straight for the Bills. Yep. They, I'm not going to say they look great, but they're figuring some stuff out. They've been able to run the ball better than they have ever in Josh Allen's tenure as the Buffalo Bills quarterback. And if you have 
uh, the ability to run the ball like this, it makes his life a little bit easier. He doesn't have to force things, not throw as many interceptions, although he's still had plenty of those this year, but just makes their offense so much more dangerous if you have that balanced attack. And they're going to look to establish that early at home against Pittsburgh, against a team who will be missing their best player, or if he does play, he will be at 60-75%, which definitely favors Buffalo, uh, and I would give them a pretty weighted advantage in this game. But I honestly think it's going to come down to... Pittsburgh loves to play in the mud, keep things low-scoring, and the Bills have fallen into that trap too many times this season. So I wouldn't be surprised if this one ends up being close. I just think the Bills have the more talented roster and are going to have a couple of late game plays from Allen that's going to separate these two teams and might end up being a one-score game. I don't know how close it's going to feel. And if you like offense, don't tune into this one. We got Bills going through. Moving on here. This one looks fun. Oh, yeah. Arrowhead Stadium. It would be a lot more fun if there weren't some significant injuries on one side of this matchup here, but the Kansas City Chiefs scuffle their way to the three seed and a home (laughs) playoff game in the first round against the Miami Dolphins, who have now lost Xavier Howard, Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, a number of folks on their offensive line. Jalen Waddle with injuries there. Tyreek Hill's been on and off the last couple of weeks. Uh, it just a beaten up roster in Miami has to now travel up north once again to a colder climate. They had the potential going into the final week of the season to have teams come down south to them. Now they got to go on the road for all of their playoff games. And I think they're in trouble simply because of the injuries. If these were two healthy teams, I'd be inclined to actually favor Miami just with the weapons that they've had offensively. And when they're at their peak, no one can really stop them from moving the football. But again, the injuries will play a factor here in Kansas City. Once again, I I foresee this being a close game. I'd go medium in terms of scoring because these teams have the potential to have explosive plays. But for the most part, they'll struggle to move the ball and score with the injuries uh, and and Kansas City just with the lack of receiver depth. So it'll come down to the wire. I think if Tyreek is fully unlocked, Miami can take this one. But overall, you can't bet against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So I have them moving through in this round, uh, but definitely in tough against Buffalo in the divisional round. We move on to the Saturday afternoon game always the worst slot to have in the super wildcard weekend and of course this goes to the afc south traditionally is the team that owns this game the houston texans winning and getting into the playoffs they were projected to finish with five six wins this year and they have really surprised everyone with their uh ability and talent that they have on the defensive side of the ball a lot of young hungry players And then C.J. Stroud, of course, already emerging as the next great young quarterback in this league. Showed off his arm a couple times this year, specifically Week 18 against the Colts. First play of the game, throws a 60-yard bomb in the air to Nico Collins, who takes it to the house. Uh, and, And so some really exciting stuff looking forward here for Houston. However, 
they're running into the best defense in the league with Cleveland. And these two teams, I believe, have already matched up this season. I can't remember the result of this game, so I'm going to have to pull it up while I talk here. But the Cleveland Browns have... Yeah, so Cleveland beat them 36-22 just three weeks ago. And the Browns' defense is just one that's operated a higher level than almost any other unit in the league this year. And Miles Garrett, probably going to be Defensive Player of the Year. Kevin Stefanski, potentially the Coach of the Year. And Joe Flacco has given this team new life after losing to Sean Watson and Nick Chubb for the season. Uh, they've been able to stitch it together with changing their offense to be a bit more of a gunslinger-style offense. They'll take the two touchdowns to one interception ratio, and their defense will take it from there and do the rest. I'm confident in their ability to put pressure on Stroud and just show this young Houston team something they haven't seen a lot yet, uh, being their first real experience in the playoffs. So I have the Cleveland Browns as our first road winner here in the NFL playoffs, and they will then head to Baltimore for a Joe Flacco homecoming slash division rivalry. Moving on here to the NFC, we start with a clash of Titans, a lot of history between these two franchises, two of maybe of the most famous franchises in the league, the Dallas Cowboys hosting the Green Bay Packers, Cowboys getting a gift with the Eagles loss to Arizona last week, were able to really ride it out against the Washington Commanders and take care of business so that this really strong home team is now going to get a couple of games at home in the playoffs. And I say a couple because I have them strongly favored here over Green Bay. Uh, just their offense is very, very tough to stop. And they'll have a little bit of extra rest here, being able to sit a lot of the starters in the second half. And Green Bay's defense has been bad overwhelmingly bad this year on the whole they've had a couple of strong performances most notably this past weekend against the bears which some could say is a bit of a tune-up for their playoff run but historically uh throughout this season their defense has been really porous and i think dallas is going to get whatever they want in the air against the screen bay team and I think this one could actually elevate in scoring relatively quickly because Jordan Love has looked really good this year. He sets rookie franchise records for the Packers in passing touchdowns and passing yards with the 17th game. Uh, that helped him along the way, but I can see the points racking up quick in this one. However, Dallas just has more defensive playmakers at this point in time. If we're talking two years ago, I might have gone Green Bay. Uh, but Dallas overall seems to be the more complete team, and so I'll have them at home just with how strong they've been moving on to the division round. Now, this next game, I think, is the most intriguing of all of the playoff matchups. You've got Matthew Stafford returning home to Detroit mm -hmm. where he floundered and, and really broke his body for this team over a number of years. The fans love him, and now they have to face him to move on in Detroit's first home playoff game ever at Ford Field. It is going to be a spectacle for sure, and one that could potentially also get out of hand in terms of scoring. It's tough to stop Cooper Cup, Kyron Williams, and Puka Nakua with Matthew Stafford slinging it from behind center. And on the other side, the Lions, like the Cowboys, have been almost unbeatable at home. 
Jameer Gibbs has really elevated after getting lower usage in the beginning of the season. Their rookie running back now has been stellar the last few weeks. And they've got a good one punch there with or one two punch there with him and Montgomery, uh, along with Amon Ross St. Brown and and some of the other gifted receivers. So again, it's gonna come down to an Aiden Hutchinson, an Aaron Donald, who's gonna be that X factor on the defensive side. I actually give the edge here to the Rams, again, purely based off of playoff experience. And I think when the lights get brightest, Jared Goff, who's been to a Super Bowl on the back of a running game, has not necessarily made the throws historically in his career to ice games. And I just give the edge to Stafford if we're talking QBs. So I lean LA Rams here to move on. And they would then head to San Francisco for another fun divisional matchup that we just saw. Although San Fran sat basically all their starters, but the Rams did beat them this past week. And finally, we land on another kind of iffy game in terms of excitement. Uh, The Tampa Bay Buccaneers basically losing or the least on their way to the NFC South title. uh, And they will be hosting the Philadelphia Eagles who have (laughs) fallen in a big way recently these last few weeks back-to-back losses to the cardinals and the giants hurts fracturing his middle finger aj brown potentially missing this next game with uh with getting caught by the turf monster the eagles coaching and defense have been abysmal now for uh, basically half a season and the fans are calling for heads already and the season's not even over so I, I'm very curious to see what's going to happen from a Philadelphia perspective. I would totally lean Philadelphia if they weren't in such a rut. But Tampa Bay has actually looked okay the last five weeks or so. Baker Mayfield is a tough player. You know he's going to give them a chance. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are going to torch this Eagles secondary. So I find it fascinating that Tampa Bay probably going to get more yards in the air. Philadelphia, it looks like, is going to really have to control the ball on the ground. And DeAndre Swift has been amazing whenever they use him, but they tend to somehow go away from him more than they probably should. And so if they continue to stick to that run game with Swift and believe that they can control the clock, then I think they can win this one out in in a lower-scoring affair where they control time of possession and, and have their defensive front make a couple of clutch plays when they need to. I'm not confident on it, but I have to take Philadelphia just with how strong they look to start the year. And I think they'll be able to rekindle some of that magic now that they're in the round where it matters most. So two road winners I have in the NFC, which then actually leads the Rams to head to Dallas. Uh, or yeah, Rams to San Francisco, and then the Eagles would be head- heading to Ooh, Dallas for an epic fun. NFC East rematch. So those are my picks and my mini preview for the first round of the NFL playoffs. I'm sure you've all had enough of my voice for the time being, so I'll hand it over to Max to talk some tennis. Thank you. Looking forward to this weekend and following up on all of that. Uh, First week of tennis back, we had five different events going on. So a lot to talk about and a little heading next week, one week before the Australian Open. Uh, Starting off with the United Cup, a congratulations to Team Germany for pulling off, which I think would have been considered a pretty 
somewhat unlikely victory, even with Alex Zverev and Kerber also on the team. Uh, they're able to beat Poland in a doubles match tiebreaker. Um, and yeah, against after Iga Sviatek was the player of the tournament going 5-0, and um, a close win against Greece, another close win against uh, Australia, who on the back of Alex Dimenauer had taken out Novak Djokovic for the first time in like 50 matches down under. And yeah, it, it's a really cool match format and the participation of Shviat, so many top players, uh, I think will continue to build this event into something interesting. So as far as individuals go, heading into Australia, as I said, Iga Sviatek, player of the tournament, goes 5-0. and That means a 16-match winning streak. Uh, if you count 2023, going through the WTA finals, her Beijing 1000 title. So hard not to put her as the favorite for the Australian Open coming up off the back of that, even if she's never won the event before. Then on the men's side, Alex Dimenauer takes out Djokovic, Zverev, and Taylor Fritz in his efforts. Not enough to take Australia to the finals, but probably the most impressive single effort on the men's side. It gets him into the top 10 for the first time in his career and continues a fantastic breakout 2023. So going to be really interesting to see what he plays like with that top seed or a relatively high seed advantage and a lot of confidence going in. Then Alex Zverev takes his team to the finals, some big wins over Tsitsipas, has to save some match points against Hercatch in the finals to bring it to that tiebreaker and able to compete for Germany there. Uh, the rehab seems like a done deal and he's back to being a top 10 player. So congratulations to Team Germany for that and actually looking forward to seeing this event next year. It's one I think Canada had could have a decent shot at um, having multiple players in the top 50, both men's and women's. It's just a matter of enough of them being hot at the same time, but that's true for every country. All right, onto the singles events. We'll start on the men's side in Brisbane. First of all, congratulations to Gregor Dimitrov for winning his first tournament since 2018. Um, takes out Holger Rune in the finals. They went one and one last year, but after a 2023, which was mostly comprised of losing just players seated higher than him, that seems like a really big win for him. Also winning the tournament just the first time in six years. So that's a really big step forward for him. A couple of other nice wins along the way. Uh, most notably, Jordan Thompson, who was coming off a marathon match with Rafael Nadal. That's the other big story out of Brisbane. Nadal, unfortunately, will not be competing in the Australian Open as he has a micro muscle tear in that three and a half hour match with Jordan Thompson. A lot to like initially. He wins his first two matches, earns some match points against Thompson. You have to give it to him for saving those off. Um, as Nadal said, the post is on his Instagram, but he is trying to peak in three to four months from now. It sounds like the MRI showed the muscle tear is not the original injury that kept him out for virtually all of 2023. 
so we hope to see him back in February. Uh, Andre Rublev wins the other men's 250 event in Hong Kong this week. No crazy wins, uh, but nice, comfortable performance to get there. So that hopefully gives him a little confidence heading into the Australian Open. On the women's side, the Brisbane event worth 500 points sees Elena Rybakina and uh, I can't think of Sabalenka's first name off the top of my head. Oops. Oh, well, uh, they both make it to the finals without dropping a set. And then Rybakina, Arnia, Arnia Sabalenka, Rybakina proceeds to steamroll her, winning the first set in 25 minutes and uh, with one unforced error. The second set a little closer, uh, at 6-3. Sorry, that was a bagel in the first set as well. Um, just inspired tennis, returning well, serving great. One unforced error, a lot of depth on her shots, and just ran with the momentum. Um, it continues to build this profile where in the last year or so, she's looked really, really good against most of her top-seeded opponents. It's just getting to those finals consistently for her. Uh, so she'll be competing next this week as well in another 500 level event, uh, which is a lot of activity heading into the two week Australian Open. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if she can make continue that momentum this week. Then last off on what happened this past week, Coco Goff successfully defends her title in uh, Auckland that she won last year as well, beating Svitolina in the finals after not dropping a set to the finals. She loses a tight first one and then takes control of the match. So Iga Sviatek on a 16-match winning streak player of her tournament. Uh, Sabalenka makes it to the finals without dropping a set. Rybikina wins the tournament without dropping a set and Coco Goff wins as well. The top four women on the WTA tour are all performing at a really high level, it seems, heading into the finals. So that should be promising for the Open or for the Australian Open. Uh, Naomi Osaka loses in the second round, by the way. So we'll see what that or we'll see what she looks like from the Australian Open. So less uh, top-seeded players competing this coming week. I don't think any top 10 on the men's side and a cup Rybikina and Pegula on the women's side because it's a 500-level event in Adelaide. Then uh, real quick, on the men's side, Lil CanCon, Felix, and Shapovalov will be competing in the men's Auckland event. Ben Shelton, Cam Nori, the top seeds there. And then the other... Adelaide uh, has Tommy Paul and Nicholas Jari as the top seeds, Sebastian Corda, Matteo Arnaldi, Jack Draper, and Jordan Thompson, who put up that marathon match against Nadal, all competing there. Uh, Von Trusova, the Wimbledon winner from last year, competing in Adelaide as well. So uh, next week when we podcast, the Australian Open will be just one or two days underway. Um, but a lot of promising momentum and looking forward to that big event coming up. Fantastic. Good recap here of the tennis world. Looking forward to the Australian Open. Should be a really fun major to kick mm -hmm. off 2024. And I also want to give a, 
another guy a shout out for a great start to 2024 one mr martin jones goes into mm. a familiar neck of the woods for him and goes six for six in points as the leafs sweep their mini western road trip in la san jose and anaheim aren't they playing san jose again like tonight uh tomorrow night at home i believe oh gotcha i see yep they're back uh and and will be interesting to see who they start in this game because you don't want to necessarily run jones into the ground could we see the nhl debut of one dennis hildeby yeah they're in a tough spot right now like it it is the playoff spot is not guaranteed yet which has felt pretty comfortable these last couple seasons so you don't really want to see especially like tampa's out of the playoff picture totally right now so you feel like there's going to be some pushes i'm afraid to see the foot get taken off the gas right now they do have the benefit of being uh having a couple of games in hand so they're actually higher up the leaderboard in terms of points percentage you have to win this game against san jose right yeah. that's this games you got to pick up points and um and then just kind of keep moving from there wall i'd say is maybe a couple weeks away now thing with hildeby is he has the potential to be a stud prospect goalie <laughs> but you don't want to necessarily ruin his development by exposing him to too many nhl games too early so it's it's a difficult balance that they have to play right now and while the team's coming off the high on the west coast road trip they reward a player who was a standout during that time and has been this season and something we had talked about a lot but not recently william nylander said toronto maple leaf for eight more years at 11 Point five million average annual value against the cap it's a massive deal i yeah. don't think anyone expected double figures before no. the season started or at least no one desired double digits mm -hmm. before the season started everyone was clamoring to get him at nine five and some people thought that was even too rich for their blood how about 11.5? Yeah. Wow. And, and I mean, you look at it plainly and you take out all the context and you take out all the sideshow variables, all that stuff. He's in that market with mm -hmm. the production that he's shown now consistently and his ability to drive play and his ability to now start to kill penalties, which I'm wondering was partially an effort to raise his value on his contract unbelievable player i'm so happy he's back all i gotta say is brad for living must know something that the rest of the world doesn't about the salary cap because legitimately it, it just this just isn't feasible for the leafs and i love willie and i love that he's gonna be here for the long haul but you can't pay him this much plain and simple in the in the world that we exist in today and my worry here biggest worry is how does it handicap the team moving forward is Tavares or Marner on their way out kind of is the first question that comes to your mind when you see this deal and then the second piece of it which I'd like to toot my own horn and say I was the first one on this what's the effort going to look like the rest of the season now that he's got it that's the question 
Yeah. So I think I, I, with a career year last year and a pace to break that career year as the Leafs leading point producer right now, with the way contracts are being handed out with the 13.5 Austin Matthews just signed, it's hard to talk any further down than it's got. And this is the ballpark I was expecting Nylander to want. And this is, was the ballpark I was expecting to have to sign him in the NBA. I'm okay. Letting players walk with the four to five year deals, but in the NHL with eight year contracts, it hurts more. And something about the homegrown aspect of it is, is a little more consistent, a little more real. So, so I, I wanted to keep Willie. And I guess first and foremost, I am glad that we did. And so this contract isn't scaring me off in the forefront. Um, very similar to when we signed Tavares. It was this value is great now. It is going to hurt. It might hurt in the last few years, though that seemed very clearly the beginning of a window. I have no idea where the Toronto Maple Leafs are in the next eight years. I do worry a little about the play style of Nylander. I, I don't, I think Tavares has found a way as his athleticism and um, offense have declined from his prime to still work on the face-offs, work on the defense, work on the team leading. I think that was a pretty natural transition for a player of his style. I don't know if the, that transitions as easy for someone like Nylander, um, but I digress. More concerning is next year when we'll be paying Matthews 13 and a half, William 11 and a half, Marner 10 point something, 11 point something, and Tavares 10 point something. Tavares goes after that. I, I don't know what, if he's, I think if he wants a lot of money, we simply cannot afford it. I'd, for the same reasons, I'm happy to keep Willie and happy to keep Matthews. I'd want to keep Marner. But that year, paying $46 million to four players is going to be brutal. So happy to get the player signed. Hard to argue with the numbers. Try not to think about next year. Um, I, I saw Traveling had like a quote that the number now is not any different than it would have been over the summer. And I think that was a very bold lie to tell. Or will it might have been higher, to be honest. If, over if the it, summer? Yeah, like like this past summer or coming up? No, this past summer. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. for sure. If that wasn't a lie, then Nylander, frankly, needs to fire his agent. Um, so, yeah, I, I also, like, just as a hometown fan, like, the stuff Nylander says about calling Toronto home, wanting to win a cup with this team and having the dedication in an era where you see a lot of superstars get tired very quickly and want to go get paid and win... Uh, seeing someone with that loyalty isn't something you can take for granted, and I am grateful for it. So I have very mixed emotions on this, where I want to be positive, I want to be celebrating, and I don't want to be thinking about what the team composition is going to look like next year to crunch those numbers and make this work. 
to step away from the Leafs because I think we've made the points we need to make. Uh, I'm quite fascinated to see how this is going to set Elias Pettersson's contract. Hmm. Comparable. You'd say yeah. Pedersen's probably had slightly more achievement in his career and is on pace to be a, a Hart Trophy nominee this season. Um, great points production. Probably drives his team a little bit more. And so you're looking for him to end up probably now in that range of 12 and a half to 13. Yeah. And so will Vancouver's ownership be willing to fork that out uh, I'm I'm intrigued to see, and so this this Nylander contract potentially resets the market, like we thought Marners would, didn't end up doing. The Leafs have now doubled down on this, and so I'm fascinated to see what the new younger stars hitting their first big deal or coming out of their bridge deal are are going to get. Yeah, I mean we we know that the salary cap is going to go up. And we're expecting it to be fairly sizable compared to recent years. I I don't know to what extent there's a chicken egg thing where owners and GMs are counting on that and can even like enforce it or push for that and make it happen because this is what is happening. But I will say I'm also trying to when I saw what we signed Tavares for seven years ago. And that this was like a million off that, I felt a lot less bad about this number. Um, like the sa- the salary cap just goes up, inflation is happening. I do think people should keep that in mind when they look at the eleven point five figure. Well, we know the overwhelming feelings of the internet and mm. most pundits on this, but remains to be seen. As always, time time will tell on what this ends up being. We'll move off of it for now and come back to the Leafs a little bit later. I was going to talk, as we go into basketball storylines here, about OKC, but they got plenty of hype this past week with a yeah. couple of key wins, most notably against the Boston Celtics, and a lot of major outlets have covered them, so I don't think we necessarily need to. Another game that got a ton of press was the Giannis Wembenyama showdown spectacular where Wemby got Giannis a couple times with the blocks and Giannis dunked on the entire Spurs organization multiple times in that game just a a fantastic finish and who knew that putting a real point guard in would help the Spurs offense who knew that would happen and it's only something that everyone's been calling for for months now with Jeremy Sohan so we'll move on and we'll talk about other teams on a roll right now. The Knicks and the Raptors are 7-1 and one combined since the trade. Man. The Knicks, most notably, with a key win over the Philadelphia 76ers. And this fan base has already fallen in love with Doji, as we knew they would, right? He locks people up at a multitude of positions, hits open threes, and, and can cut and... and use his frame and athleticism to muck up things and create things on both sides of the ball. So it's been a already a, a big swing for the Knicks that looks to be paying off early days. A lot of talk there is they're not done yet with moves and, and could be looking for adding another piece that fits into this team, especially now with Mitchell Robinson 
looking like he may be dumb for an extended period of time. I did see a clip of, I think it was Becky Hammond on a TV panel saying like this team is so close, but they just don't have that 1A option and saying that Jalen Brunson is simply too small mm-hmm. to be that option. And that's and the Randall difference is between... unreliable or hasn't yeah. proven it. Yeah. Like, like Brunson has the consistency, Randall has the size, but you can't put them together and get one complete 1A package. So then do you think they take the, the 04 Pistons approach where they're just going to drag you into the mud with them and play defense? And I mean, that I, that's obviously the model they're at right now. Yeah. But will they keep that or move for a bigger star or just try and complement with a with another rotation piece? I tend to lean toward the latter. Just yeah. not a ton being out there. And I don't know if Donovan Mitchell moves their needle enough. No. Yeah. No, it's like I'm rooting for it, but that's been in my head ever since and all the more so since the OG trade. On the other side of things, RJ Barrett, 37 last night, 23 in the first half. Um, Only kind of one semi-stinker against the Sacramento Kings where the team as, as a whole got run out a little bit, but he has shown great early intensity in his new home. I think he's playing with a little bit more pride with the with the Maple Leaf on his jersey, but has looked locked in more so on the defensive end than I've ever seen him in his career. Um, and, and it's all about, again, knocking down that open shot for RJ. And then Emmanuel quickly, awesome game against Memphis, has continued to look pretty solid. The biggest thing I think we're going to see needing to get figured out is the pecking order between these three, uh, including Scotty Barnes in there, between three young talents. As many indications say that Pascal Siakam will be dealt before the trade deadline, which makes me very, very sad um, now that he's kind of the last remaining key title piece on this Raptors team. Uh, but that is the vacuum that is going to get created. And so I'm I'm going to be watching these Raptors game intensely to see what the level of deference is and and the pecking order on shots and running the offense between Scotty IQ uh seems like RJ's probably going to take a a second fiddle to those two. Yeah, I I don't if RJ thinks he is in that tier then I think we made a mistake frankly. <laughs> no, but yeah, I've been really pleased with both of them so far yeah, and 7 and 1. Excited to see where it's going, but we'll we'll continue to watch the Raptors. They beat up on a or Warriors team who are getting Draymond back soon. Yeah, so he's back 12 games. I don't know about that, but mm-hmm. uh oh my god, I, we're not going to get into the quotes, but yeah, geez. and we 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 mentioned he probably isn't going to learn his lesson and it's yeah. just going to be another circus, but we'll we'll talk about that when it arrives. More unpredictable takes everyone is having next week until then thank you for listening been a pleasure sports next door signing out you get to the station there's this crazy sound hey man this ain't no fishing